0: Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Awesome. Well, we are wrapping up our series, Questions God Asks Us. And this has been a lot of fun. Um, We Actually, this whole year, the the theme has been questions. And so the question of the fall semester was, what do you believe? And uh, this semester, we've had a series of questions from uh, God himself to us. Um, And I've learned a lot. Um, And tonight, we're going to look at the question that God has for this particular person, Simon Peter, uh, the son of John. And we're going to look at the question that follows or flows from that. What question does God ask us here? So on July 3rd, 2014, my... Fiance and I woke up to this weather report. Hurricane Arthur was coming up the East Coast. And in one day, we were going to get married on July 4th, 2014. And we knew that this was bad news, but maybe good luck for a wedding day, right? Um, So sure enough, we had to relocate our outdoor open air wedding ceremony to under a tent. You can see the rain falling down. And I married uh, my then fiance Sarah Lentz, now my wife Sarah Dix. And we made vows to each other. We promised to love each other and to uh, be with each other till death do us part. And we kind of had to say it kind of loud because it was like roaring because of this rain and this wind and Uh, You know, Sarah's veil was wet and everything. So we said, I do, really loud, to every single one of the questions that our Pastor Bradley asked us. But over the last seven years, um, as I think is pretty common, there have been many times when we ask each other for reassurance of that love. When Sarah asked me, do you love me? Or I asked Sarah, do you love me? We need that time and time again. And of course, the response is, of course, I love you. But we want to know that it's not just that vow on July 4th, 2014 in the rain, but now in those tough moments and those hard times, do you still love me? And are you going to always love me? At quick glance, this scene um, around a fire might come to mind. When you read this passage, you might be reminded of when Peter denied Jesus three times. And we're gonna get into that context, it's really uh, significant and meaningful here. But when we read it, uh, they're once again around a fire, gathered for a meal, but the resurrected Jesus is here with Peter and the other apostles and they're having breakfast, they're having fish and bread. Jesus has actually made it, which is pretty cool. It might seem like Jesus is merely needing reassurance. He's feeling a little insecure. This is Peter, the one who had denied him, not once, not twice, but three times. Peter stuck around and he's asking him, do you love me? But we need to understand that context, that kind of first story in the background of this in order to really understand what's going on now. You see, Jesus predicted Peter's denial in the first place. In John 13, it says, um, when Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? Um, Jesus, or Simon Peter says, you are the Christ. Um, and, and then he says something about needing to go somewhere. And Simon Peter says, said to him, Lord, where are you going? Uh, Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now. But you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay your down life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Sure enough, when Peter heard the rooster crow, he remembered Jesus had predicted this all along. Jesus knew this. Peter, if there ever was a word in modern times invented for Peter, he's extra. He's just excessive, dramatic. He was that just over the top. He was the first to speak of the, all the apostles. He was the first to jump out of the boat and try walking on water. He was precocious. He was extroverted. No one could beat Simon Peter to the punch. And here, Jesus asked Peter three times, Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? This is an opportunity for Peter to show, I'm the first. I'm extra. I love you more than any of these other disciples. And he doesn't say, he doesn't you know, beat his chest and say, "Look at me, look at who I am." He says, "Yes, Lord, you know that I love you." Again, Simon, son of John, do you love me?" Jesus' question to him, "Yes, Lord." You know that I love you. And again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. When Peter denied Jesus, he says, I am not this man's friend. He says, "Uh, I do not know the man. It's all about him and his word, his promise, if you will, his vow. Like, I promise you, I don't know him. And here we see a changed man. We see Simon, son of John, saying, not, Lord, I know. Look at me, Lord, you know. You are the all-knowing, omniscient son of God, because you predicted that I was going to deny you. And here you are, come down off the cross, out of the grave, the resurrected Lord, you are God. You are the Son of God. You, of all people, would know that I love you. After each of these questions, responses from Peter, there's a command. And there are actually four, not just three Simon son, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lands. And then he says, tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Over breakfast on the shore of the Sea of Tiberias, Jesus was commissioning one of the greatest apostles the Christian church has ever known to go and feed God's people, not with bread and fish, but with the words of life the testimony of the risen Lord Jesus Christ who had been sent by God to overcome sin and death on our behalf so that we can live for him. Jesus, just as he had called himself the good shepherd of the sheep, he was commissioning Peter and all of the apostles as sub-shepherds to feed my lambs, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep while he was in heaven with his father there are at least two elements of this there's preaching the gospel which peter did and all the apostles did but also pastoring pastoring and shepherding in the spiritual sense are almost synonymous they um, just like a shepherd protects their sheep from danger uh, so a uh, pastor protects their sheep from harm the harm of false doctrine the harm of uh, their own sin This is who Jesus is calling Peter to be. But there's one more command. Follow me. Now, remember, Jesus, before I told Peter where he was going and that Peter could not follow him then. Remember, he said, you can't follow me now, but afterward you will follow me. Now, Peter was actually being given this instruction. He was not being told, no, you can't follow me. He was being told, do follow me. He was being invited to follow him. Now, what Peter didn't know is that Jesus was going to his death on the cross. And now Peter sees the same Lord. The same person who had hung on that cross with the same scars, resurrected in a glorified body before him. Now he was ready to follow Jesus. This is what this last couple of verses mean. It's a little bit confusing. Basically, Jesus is telling Peter, You used to be and are now an independent man, but at some point you're going to be held captive. For your faith and you're going to be crucified like I am and you're going to die for your faith just like Jesus died sure enough he would be crucified on a cross tradition has it that he refused to be crucified right side up and wanted to be crucified upside down because he was not worthy of dying in the same way as his Lord why would Peter go and follow Jesus if this is what he knew, it would come to. Well, he knew the end of the story for Jesus was also the end of the story for him. In Romans 6, it says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. If not for Peter believing in the resurrection of his own body, just like Jesus was resurrected, he would never have gone and become a martyr. Okay, we've been living in the biblical world for some time. I've tried to enter you into the the biblical story here and understand Peter and understand Jesus and what's going on. What does this mean for us? And April 26th, 2021. Go outside tonight when the sun is down and look for this pink moon. It's supposed to be out there. There's going to be a super moon tonight. When I typed in this date into Google, this is what popped up. So there you go, your trivia for the night. What does it mean for today? April 26, 2021. What do these questions and what do these commands mean for me and you? Well, they mean at least four things and I want to draw these things out as implications of the commands that Jesus gave directly and particularly to Peter. So we are not shepherds, though some of us are called to be shepherds. If you're called to be a pastor, you're called to be a shepherd. But all of us are sheep. All of us are sheep. So if Peter was commanded to feed his sheep, then we are the sheep that need to be fed. And what do we need to be fed with? We need to be fed with his word, with the word of God. Um, a little trivia about camels. Uh, they can go for seven months without water. Pretty sure this has something to do with the hump on their back. Some have multiple humps. They can go up to seven months without water. And it makes sense because they, they often are living in these arid deserts without water for miles and miles and miles. They're a perfect animal for journeys across the, the dry desert. Um, but friends, I don't know if you've ever seen a, 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 a flock of sheep. Um, they're always around grass. Uh, they're not in the desert. They're around grass. They're constantly grazing. Sheep are a little bit more like humans. Humans can't go long without food or without water. I think it's three days without water and up to 21 days without food for humans, um, depending on a a few different factors. Um, The point is, a lot of Christians act like they are camels, where we can go to church on Easter Sunday and then wait. Seven months, eight months, go to church on Christmas, Sunday, whenever that is. And then we're good. But we are not camels. We need to be fed with the word of God. We are sheep. We need to graze in the pastures of scripture every day. Um, and, And to put a bit finer point on it, we will spiritually die. We will spiritually starve if we're not feeding on the word of God. Um, If you have time to scroll through your newsfeed, I do that um, every day. Uh, If you have time to listen to podcasts, if you have time to catch up on reality TV gossip or play online games, nothing inherently wrong with any one of those things. But if you have time to do those things and your soul is starving and your soul is dying, Open your eyes and look, the Word of God is at your fingertips. Right now is a good example of hearing the Word of God preached. We need to pray through it, we need to chew on it, we need to meditate on it, we need to listen to sermons. Uh, Even if you don't have time to read the scriptures, listen to them as you walk to class. Uh, The ESV Bible app is a great resource to start with. Uh, The Bible Project on YouTube, if you need explanations, there are a lot of great resources. Ask uh, me or Serena. We'd love to help you get in the word of God. I think many Christians are starving and we need food. So let's be fed. Second, Jesus is asking us to submit to being pastored in a local church. We are sheep who need a shepherd. And Jesus gave his sheep under shepherds, which means pastors and elders in a local church. This is something that that really goes against the grain of our individualistic and modern American thinking. And that's no coincidence. Uh, This isn't just a philosophical disagreement that we have. There has been so much wrong done in the name of Jesus from leadership in the institutional church. Uh, So many of us have been hurt in the church. And I want to say that I'm so sorry that that has been your experience. And that is not the way God wants it to be. That is evil. It's evil in the church just as the same way it's evil outside the church. And God will judge the pastors or people in those churches that have wronged you. But Jesus, before he left earth, and this is sort of the beginning of it, this conversation with Peter, he established the church. This wasn't uh, men or women's idea. This was God's idea. In Matthew 16, after uh, Peter says, you are the Christ, um, Jesus says, Simon bar Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah, Uh, sign of son of john actually Uh, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven and i tell that you are peter which means rock and on this rock meaning his confession his saying you are the christ the son of the living god on that rock i will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it i will give you the keys of the kingdom Of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I want you to focus on those words in bold. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That means there will always be a church of God. It means that even if there are churches that have strayed and failed miserably and horribly, to care for their sheep. Even if there are pastors and and uh, and leaders in churches that have done that, there still are good churches. Friends, God has promised that there still are good pastors who really do care about you. Now, you might know that. You might know that there are good churches that preach the gospel, that have good people who care about you. Um, And you still aren't a part of a local congregation. And and to you, I would say, if you claim to love Jesus, but are not a member of a local church, I think you should ask yourself, do you love him? If you love him, you will join a church to be shepherded in the way that he designed, that he created. This is how Christians have grown and lived for the last 2000 years who are we to think that we are any different in 2021 and to put a finer point on it uh, this is the way christians have grown from age zero to 99 who are we to think that 18 through 22 is an exception to this rule Just because you're on a college campus, just because you're here for what seems like a short time, doesn't mean you don't need to get plugged into and even become a member of a local church. This is what Jesus is commanding of you right now. We are sheep. We need a shepherd. There's a little levity. (laughs) Um, Third, uh, Jesus is... Sorry. Sorry. Jesus is asking us to follow his commands. Um, John 14, the same book, it says, these are Jesus's words. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, do you love me? You will keep my commandments. Follow me. Um, Jesus is my homeboy is a really unfortunate meme, uh, it made its way, I think you know a ton of celebrities were spotted with a t-shirt, and I think there's a bunch of different like, bobbleheads and action figures that spun off of it. Um, I, 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 think it's, I think it's unfortunate because it, it's sort of confusing, it's sort of confusing to me. And I know I'm taking something that's supposed to be funny and, and taking it seriously, but let's think about it for a little bit. Um, if Jesus is just our homeboy, then why would he command you to do anything? Now, I have to be careful because Jesus is our friend. Famously, the hymn says Jesus is the friend of sinners. Jesus himself in John says, I have called you friends. That's true. But Jesus is not your homeboy. He is your king, your lord, your master. So we need to follow his commands. What an amazing thing to um, know that that Jesus who laid down his life for his friends is calling us in how we should live. I wanna to listen to that person. What are his commands? Well, his commands are found in scripture. You don't have to translate it from the Hebrew, but Jesus himself referred to the Hebrew scriptures as all pointing to him. In his teaching while he was on earth, he he kind of reaffirms the 10 commandments as, as a guideline, as ways to live, as rules. Uh, for Christians to live by and when we look at scripture the old and new testaments we need to really interpret wisely there are probably a lot of commands in scripture that you think of well pretty sure that doesn't apply to me and you might be right but we need to interpret in community we need to interpret with good teachers by our side who points you to scripture other scriptures to help you interpret that scripture But all that aside, imagine um, someone you claim to love and you're in this relationship with them here in 2021, um, but they they send you all these text messages and you leave them unread. Uh, When they maybe send you a letter in the mail, you you throw it on your dining room table. You don't even open it and it gets covered up and all kinds of stuff. And maybe even when they sit and talk to you, when you walk away, you totally forget. Uh, what they said I think any of you us if we came up to you and said are you sure you really love this person do you really love them I think we'd be right to ask that if we claim to love Jesus but ignore his words ignore his commands do we really love him the Son of God has spoken In his words, listen to him and follow him. This is what it means to love Jesus. Fourth, Jesus is asking us to give up our lives for him. We may not lose our lives like Peter was, uh, crucified on a cross, but the life of a Christian is always one that looks more like a crucifixion than it does a coronation as far as this earthly life goes. But if we are following Jesus, if we're obeying his commands, submitting to the authority of a church and digesting his words daily, we will learn what it means to die to our sinful desires. That same pastor that you saw um, marrying uh, Sarah and me, uh, in premarital counseling before we said I do, he gave me uh, these words of wisdom, and I think about these Often, I think it can apply to a lot of different relationships. Loving your wife or sometimes loving anyone sacrificially may sometimes feel like dying. Because it is. You are dying to yourself. I think sometimes we we stray away from loving sacrificially because it doesn't always feel good. It feels like death. Death. And our intuition is to run away. But isn't that the greatest kind of love? Jesus himself says that greater love has no one than this. That someone laid down his life for his friends. Jesus loved unto death. This is how he is calling us to love. We die to our selfish desires, but we also give our lives to him, meaning our decisions to him, our future to him. Uh, if you're thinking about what to do after BU or after grad school or whatever it is, uh, entrust your life to his care and prayer. If you have a relationship um, that you're, you're seeking after, if you're um, uh, considering who to hang out with, what kind of people to seek um, maybe for for friendship this summer. Let Jesus lead you in those relationships. Let Jesus shepherd you. Uh, entrust to him your life. Sometimes it may feel like death, and it will be. It's not sugarcoated. it will be. But Jesus died and was raised to life again. This is our destiny too. Uh, without the resurrection, which we experience in some ways, taste of that already. We can experience the joy of the resurrection when we can see that, hey, this sin that used to haunt me, I've overcome. This, this marriage, this, this hard, um, uh, maybe parental relationship, it's getting better. We can see hints and tastes of the resurrection already in our life. Um, I want to end with a reality check on all of this. Uh, We've heard four commands uh, from Jesus um, to to feed on his word, to submit to uh, a leadership of a church, to uh, follow his commands and to follow him, uh, to give our lives to him. What does that look like? So, it looks a lot like that it looks a lot like getting stuck and needing somebody to pull you out and then running and getting stuck again and that happening over and over and over again friends this is the normal christian life if this happens to you uh, if you don't always follow Jesus's commands, if you if you, uh, in fact, sin against him and deny him just like Peter. Not just three times, but many, many times. Jesus has not denied you. He loves you. He died for you. Um, we, uh Sorry do God love me? Wow, incredible grammar. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, We often get caught up in the question, does God love me? And I I hope throughout all my preaching, you hear uh, this incredible affirmative to that. Yes, God loves you. And we know that because of Jesus. Jesus died for us. God's son sent to die so that we would not have to die, so that we would not have to carry the punishment for our sin. Yes, God loves you. The question that Jesus is asking tonight, this person, this man, this, this Son of God, he is asking, "Do you love me?" Do you love me?" Um, sorry the 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 entire scriptures uh, have this metaphor. Of, of a marriage I have, have this metaphor of, of a wedding and even at the very end uh, in heaven we are going to have this marriage supper of the Lamb and it's going to be an incredible feast um, and the metaphor this imagery the bride which represents the church uh, which means us we are unfaithful to our groom who is God but time and time again God comes back and says, I promise to never leave you nor forsake you, and I'm not going to give up on that promise. No matter how many times we deny him, he calls us his beloved. He's inviting you to love him back. How do we do that? We feed on his word, submit to being in a local church, follow his commands, and we give up our lives for him. Lord, help us to do this. Give us the Holy Spirit, the the helper, the comforter, to enable us to do this. Lord, help us to live like you lived and die like you died so that we may live forever with you in your kingdom. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.